0: This is Golden Days of Radio 1430 for Friday 25 December 1981 only, sides 1 and 2. Live from Hollywood, the Golden Days of Christmas. Welcome to the Golden Days of Christmas. Two hours of star studded entertainment featuring live in person Bobby Brzee, Jack Brown, Howard Duff, Sam Edwards, Jim Jordan, John Jensen, Marvin Miller, Tyler McVeigh, Frank Nelson, Kay St. Germain, Les Germain, Lorreen Tuttle, Rudy Valley, Viola Vaughn, Janet Waldo, and a special Christmas salute to Bing Crosby. And now, your host for the full two hours, Mr. Frank Brissi. Merry Christmas, ladies and gentlemen, the very best of the holiday season. To all of you, from every one of the stars Bill Baldwin just mentioned, from the American Forces Radio and Television Service, its staff and management, and of course, from myself, we once again want you to join in sharing our happiness and joy as we present this 14th annual two-hour Golden Days of Christmas. Assembled on our stage in person for this very special Yuletide program are some of the greatest performers radio ever had to offer and during the next 120 minutes we hope to conjure some fond memories of Christmas by recreating some great radio programs of those years. Now sit back, relax and let's listen to the best of the best as we celebrate Christmas 1981. Our first guest is the man who has the distinction of many firsts in his life, including the very first network variety show. It's a pleasure to introduce Rudy Valley. <laughs> Monterey, beside the bay, and we'll have lots of fun. You'll find the blues pass in Monterey. You'll lose them in the sun. They say the angels stay in Monterey, because they love it too. So put your cares away, meet me in Monterey, where dreams come true.
1: Meet me in Monterey, beside the bay, and we'll have lots of fun. you find the blues that day in Monterey, you lose them in the sun. They say the angels stay in Monterey, because they love it too. So put your cares away, meet me in Monterey, where dreams
0: Meet me in Monterey, inside the bay, and we'll have lots of fun. You'll find the blues that say, in Monterey, you'll lure them in the sun. They say the angels stay in Monterey, because they love it too. So put your cares away, meet me in Monterey, where Wonderful, Rudy Of course <laughs> And welcome to the golden days of Christmas But Frank, Frank, Frank Where are the television cameras? I thought this was a telecast It is, Rudy But it's not television It's radio Radio? <laughs>
1: yes
0: well, I haven't done a radio show in 20 years That's just it, Rudy You were on, you were great And we grabbed you right back While you were still hot Maybe we should have waited another week or two What? And let you get cold? <laughs> Well, I just do not want to be one of those pushy types. but uh, actually, every 20 years you turn on the radio, and there I am. (laughs) That would never happen. I'll tell you something, Rudy. In our household, you were our favorite radio singing star. Really? It was that way in my house, too. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, Frank. Did you listen regularly? Every 20 years. Well, at least you heard me twice. (laughs) Oh, I'm just kidding, Rudy. Your program, The Fleischman Hour, was one of the most popular on radio. Would it be great if we could hear some of those great shows again? It sure would. And and pay scale is so much better these days. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, fellas, but I just couldn't help overhearing you talk about the great radio shows. I've got an idea. What's that, Bill? Well, why don't we take the members of our cast that's here tonight and have them recreate some of those great openings to those shows. Ah, but who remembers the openings of the shows? My time is your time. (laughs) Rudy does. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Bill Why don't you give our cast a chance to come out here And let's give it a try All righty, Frank Ladies and gentlemen We take you back to the golden days of radio Where once again We hear the soft, tender sounds of
2: Henry Henry Aldrich Coming, Mother
0: <laughs> Lux presents Hollywood Tonight, our stars are Charles Farrell and Janet Gaynor in the inspiring Seventh Heaven. Stay tuned for The Guiding Light. And now, Stella Dallas. John Ruskin wrote this. Whenever money is the principal object of life, it is both got ill and spent ill, and does harm in both getting and spending. When getting and spending happiness is our aim, life can be beautiful. This is One Man's Family, Book 23, Chapter 5. Jack breaks a leg while Father Barber looks on. (laughs) Pepper Young's Family. The story of your friends, the Youngs, brought to you by Cam A. The mild soap for a smoother, softer complexion. We present again today, Backstage Wife. The story of Mary Noble, a little Iowa
3: girl who marries Larry Noble, handsome matinee idol, dream sweetheart of a million other women, and her struggle to keep face in the complicated atmosphere of
0: backstage wife.
4: And now, Virginia Payne, starring as Oxidol's own Ma Perkins.
0: And
2: remember, a can of V8 juice takes only two ration
0: points. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Melody Ranch with Gene Autry. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Super person. (laughs) (laughs) Gem Razors and Gem Blades presents The Adventures of the Falcon. Hello. Hello. Yes, this is the falcon. Captain Midnight! <laughs> yes, Captain Midnight, brought to you every day Monday through Friday by the makers of Ovaltine, America's favorite food drink.
2: rinse white, rinse white, happy white. little wash day song.
0: <laughs> Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong! Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy! <laughs> Hi-oh, Silver! Away! A fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty hi-oh, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. (laughs) L.S., M.F.T., L.S., MFT! You said it. Yes, sir. Why, sure. You bet. American. <laughs> Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So round, so firm, so fully packed, so free and easy on the draw. Would you like to be queen for a day?
4: <laughs>
0: the Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game. Public enemies that try to destroy our America. Gunsmoke. Starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. And the story of a man who moved with it.
4: I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job and it makes a man watchful. And a little lonely.
0: (laughs) Johnny presents the Philip Morris Playhouse. to smile again with radio's home folks Vic and Sage brought to you by Crisco and please remember Uncle Sam needs your used fat ladies get your fat cans down to the market today (laughs) well those were some great shows Bill it sure makes you want to hear more of them doesn't it well why don't we Born on Broadway, Corliss Archer delighted thousands in the hit play by F.U. Herbert, but on radio in the person of Janet Waldo, she became the favorite of millions. Here's Janet as Corliss and Sam Edwards as Dexter, the boy next door. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Corliss Archer. It's Christmas Day at the Archers and Corliss is talking on the phone with her girlfriend Mildred, about the Christmas presents she's received.
2: After all, Mildred, it doesn't matter so much what a person gets for Christmas. It's not the gift that counts. It's the spirit behind it. Of course, you can't help but get the feeling that there's a lot more spirit behind an expensive gift. I mean, I really wanted that darling jacket with the adorable squirrel collar. And I don't care that I didn't get it because Mom and Daddy gave me a cute sweater set and it's warm, but... I just love that jacket and I could die,
1: just die.
2: (laughs) What? Oh, well, I got Dexter ice skates. He really wanted a motorcycle, but that was as close as I could afford. Oh, I I, I don't know what he's giving me, but he's so broke, I'll be lucky if he gives me a yo-yo. Mildred, what do you mean Dexter is a yo-yo? He's totally sweet and lovable. Mildred Dexter is not a drift. And even if he is, I'm the only one who has a right to say so. Oh! Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho, ho! Ho, 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 ho! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dax! You sure seem full of
3: good cheer and goodwill toward men. Yeah, on Christmas I love my fellow man. <laughs> but at the stroke of midnight, back to the girls. <laughs> <laughs> Girl? You hold only a figure of speech, Corliss. <sighs> and have you got a figure? Yes, <laughs> oh,
2: Dexter. Uh. Golly, what's in that big shopping bag?
3: Oh, just an old box I'm taking down to the trash. Oh,
2: Uh, what'd you get for Christmas, Dex? A motorcycle?
3: Nah, but everybody gave me what I wanted.
2: Oh, I hope I did. Here, Merry Christmas.
3: (laughs) Gee, thanks, Corliss. (laughs) Uh, What is it? Well,
2: open it.
3: Holy cow. (laughs) Holy cow. What's the matter, Dex? Don't you like them? They're racers. Oh, gee, yeah, yeah. Sure, they're swell. They're just what I wanted. You don't like them? I love them. They're the best ice skates I got this Christmas. Yeah, I mean, a guy can't have too many ice skates.
2: You got another pair?
3: Well, I told my folks I wanted ice skates, so... They gave me some Oh, no And my Uncle Ned knew I wanted ice skates, so he gave me a pair
2: Oh, I'll bet you got dozens of ice
3: skates No, only four pairs
2: Oh, Oh, you're going to be just swimming in ice skates You won't even know which ones I gave you I'll take them back Oh, no, but Corliss, yours are the best Uh,
3: Honest Oh, you're
2: just saying that
3: No, no, I'm not Hey, uh, how did you know what size to get me? I just bought
2: the largest they had.
3: <laughs> Gee whiz, Carlos. Yours are the only ones that'll fit. Oh. Come on, let's go down to the pond and I'll show you.
2: Uh, Dexter, are, are, are you sure you haven't forgotten something?
3: Huh? <laughs> Holy cow. I almost forgot. I gotta take this box down to the trash.
2: What was in it?
3: I don't know. Doesn't look like it's even been opened.
2: Oh, well, you certainly ought to take out what's on the inside before you throw out the outside.
3: Well, ho, 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 and what do you know? Huh? It's got a card on it.
2: It
3: has? Mm-hmm. It says, um, to chorus from you-know-who. Oh,
2: Dexter, are you my
3: you-know-who? Well, I'm not anybody else's you-know-who.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> Golly, it's so big couldn't be a jacket. It couldn't have a. Oh, it's got a squirrel collar! Oh, Dexter, where did you get the money? You must have worked and worked and worked!
3: Yeah, it was hard work, all right. Getting your old man to pay for it.
2: <laughs> oh, Dexter, you're an angel. Oh, it's positively the most voluptuous thing I ever saw. Oh! Well, hey, what are
3: you crying for? <laughs> Isn't that what you wanted? A jacket with a squirrel collar?
1: Yes, but
5: I can't help but think of all the poor little innocent slaughtered
1: squirrels
3: Don't feel bad, Corliss Hanging around your neck is worth dying for Ah, Dexter, you say the sweetest thing Well, you know what they say Sweets to the sweet I've got something else for you, too
2: You mean, a kiss?
3: Mm-hmm. Well? 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 (laughs) I I get nervous. (laughs) Well, here goes. Get ready. (laughs) Holy cow. (laughs) You know, with a little practice, we could really get good at this. (laughs) Merry Christmas, Dexter ho 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 holy cow
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well bill it was great to hear one of radio's most popular comedies again but you know there were many other styles of programs during radio's golden days. Oh, you're so right, Frank. You know, dramas, talk shows, variety shows, soap operas. Yeah, and don't forget some of the great big band shows with... with fellas like Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey, and Artie Shaw. That's right. You know, I happily announced some of those shows. Orchestras like Lawrence Welk, Benny Goodman, Woody Herman. Yeah, and how about the band singers? Oh, yeah. The one we're about to meet now starred with the Great Anson Weeks Orchestra at the Mark Hopkins Hotel in San Francisco. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kay St. Germain.
5: Hi, everybody. Oh, hello everybody out there. Isn't it absolutely marvelous that with all of us guys up here from the era that we come from, that there's a wonderful word that fits us all, and thank goodness that nostalgia sweeping the country. Memories are in style Those good old days you cherish just didn't perish So let's remember for a while, okay? Nostalgias we've the country Let's welcome it with a smile We love the 60s, and nifty 50s, a 40s For he's a flirty thirties Just out, just sweeping the country And memories are back in style Thank goodness! (laughs) I understand there are millions of you out there listening to us and we're so thrilled to be able to share with you. Many of us remember, I think, every gal in the world, regardless of what era, what age, remembers her first prom. We always want to be popular at our first dance. And oldest oh, this tune shows it. It had to be you. It had to be you. I wandered around, finally found the somebody who could make me be true, could make me be blue, and even be glad, just to be sad, thinking of you, some of the others I've might never be Might never be cross Or try to be bought But they wouldn't do For oh, nobody else gave me a thrill With all your faults. I love you still It had to be you Wonderful you It had to be you do something to me, something that simply mystifies me, they call it one step, tell me what can it be, you have the power to hypnotize me, play it boy. just all of you out there you do it different now but you know what we did in those days we'd go to the corner drugstore and be very sophisticated and say make mine a chocolate coke and then the girls that wanted to be a little bit more streetcar named desire had green river phosphate (laughs) and then how you hoped the right fellow would walk in and that maybe he'd ask you to the sock hop we have those now and then the next thing you know you were having well theater dates and then in my day you were ready to go dancing and you got your first little black dress with a string of pearls and you were ready and toward the end of the evening the lights would get very very low and they'd start playing medleys of the most beautiful songs and you'd always want to dance that last dance with the fellow that brought you and so he'd hold you very very close the lights were low and they'd sing songs like I don't know why I love you like I do
1: I don't
5: know why, but I do I don't know why you thrill me like you do I don't know why but you do you never seem to want my romance. The only time you hold me is when we're dancing I don't know why I love you like I do I don't know why, but I do And the beautiful Ray Noble the very thought of you, and I forget to do the little ordinary things that everyone ought to do. And as it got very close to one o'clock, you'd hear this. Good night, sweetheart Though you're not beside me Good night, sweetheart Sleep will banish sorrow And then he'd hold you very, very close Hold his just as close as he could get and say Aren't you glad we lost the toss And have to go home in the rumble seat <laughs> Good night, sweetheart. Good night. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, and all of you out there, let me introduce you to Bob Walters, my pianist. Isn't he wonderful? He's, he is the conductor for Vic Simone and for everybody you can think of Andy Russell, everybody's back and so are we Now for any of you that heard your parents talk about Anson Weeks They'll remember that every set that Anson ever played late at night He'd always have a big 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 set where he played Tiger Rag mama has gone goodbye and in that set he'd always let me sing a chorus of this. Are you ready Bob? there'll be a change in the weather and a change in the sea from now on there'll be a change in me my walk will be different my talk and my name you know what i think i'm gonna do i'll think i'll keep the name of k saint Germain. there'll be a change in the weather and if that ain't enough i'll even change. Way I strut my Cause nobody loves you when your own grace don't be that way. There'll be some changes made. I mean, today, there'll be some changes made. Why don't you do it now? Wow! <laughs> 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 <Merry
0: Christmas. laughs> oh, thank you, Kate Saint Germain. Rudy, during the Fleischman Hour, you presented most of the top stars in radio, didn't you? Every personality in the world except Jack Benny. How come you didn't introduce Jack Benny? He sold jell and we sold Royal jelly. <laughs> and never the twain should meet. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now the spotlight shines on Miss Loreen Tuttle, who dons evening gown and dancing slippers to interpret that satirical sketch, The Waltz, from the caustic pen of the irrepressible Dorothy Parker. She reads from the actual script used in my radio show 40 years ago, January 2nd, 1941. The scene, a young lady played by Miss Tuttle is seated at a table. An awkward young man approaches her and asks her to dance.
2: Why, thank you so much. I adore to. I don't want to dance with him. (laughs) I don't want to dance with anybody. And even if I did, it wouldn't be him. I've seen the way he dances. But what am I going to do? Everybody else is dancing. Everybody but him and me. So here I am, trapped. Trapped, like a trap in a trap. Oh, yes, I just adore to. What can you say when a man asks you to dance with him? I most certainly will not dance with you, you awkward-looking goon. No, there's nothing for me to do but say I'd adore to. All right, Cannonball, let's run out on the field. You won the toss. You can lead. <laughs> well, I, I think it's more of a waltz, really, isn't it? We might just listen to the music a second, shall we? Oh, yes, it's a waltz. Mind, oh, I'm simply thrilled. I'd love to waltz with you. I'd love to waltz with you. I'd love to have my consoles out. I'm glad I brought it to his attention that this is a waltz they're playing. Ow! Oh, don't kick, you idiot. This is only second down. Oh, no, no, no. Goodness, no. It didn't hurt the least little bit. And anyway, it was my fault, truly. Well, you're just being sweet to say that. It really was all my fault. I wonder what I'd better do kill him with my naked hands, or wait and let him drop in his traces. I guess I'll just lie low and watch the pace get him. He can't keep this up indefinitely. He's only flesh and blood. I don't want to be of the oversensitive type, but you can't tell me that kick was unpremeditated. Freud says there are no accidents. Oh, yes, it's lovely, isn't it? It's simply lovely. It's the loveliest walls, isn't it? Oh, I think it's lovely, too. Uh, I'm getting positively drawn to this triple threat here. Look at him, never a thought of the consequences, never afraid of his face, hurling himself into every scrimmage, eyes shining, cheeks ablaze. And shall it be said that I hung back? What's it to me if I have to spend the next couple of years in a plaster cast? Come on, Butch, right through them. Who wants to live forever? Oh. Get off my insteps, you hulking peasant! What do you think I am, anyway? A gangplank? Oh, no, of course it didn't hurt. Well, it didn't, a bit. Honestly, it was all my fault. You see, uh, that little step of yours, well, it's, um, perfectly lovey, but it's just a little tiny bit tricky to follow at first. Oh, did you work it up yourself? You really did? Well, aren't you amazing? <laughs> oh, I think it's lovely. I, I was watching you do it when you were dancing before. It's awfully effective when you look at it. Oh, I think I've got it now. Two stumbles, slip, and a 20-yard dash. Yes, yeah, I've got it. Oh, is that barkister never going to stop? Oh. They're going to play another encore. Oh, goody though, no, that's lovely. Tired? Oh, I should say I'm not tired. <laughs> I'd like to go on like this forever. I'm past all feeling now. The only way I can tell when he steps on me is that I can hear the splintering of bones. <laughs> and all the events of my life are passing before my eyes. There was a time I was in a hurricane in the West Indies. There was a day I got my head cut open in the taxi smashed. There was a night the drunken lady threw a bronze ashtray at her own true love and got me instead but i didn't know what trouble was until i got drawn in this double-time trolley oh i think my mind is beginning to wander it almost seems to me as if the orchestra were stopping it couldn't be of course it could never never, never be and yet In my ears, there is a silence like the sound of angel voices. Oh, they've stopped the mean things. They're not going to play anymore. Oh, darn. Oh, do you think they would? You really think so? If you gave them $50, oh, that would be lovely. And look, do tell them to play the same thing. I'd simply adore to go on waltzing.
0: It's the Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Time you pass seventy nine Wistful Vista and hear the windows rattling slightly and a low nasty murmur coming out from under the door, you'll know the squire is once again complaining. This time with his friendly telephone operator. As we meet Jim Jordan, Fibber McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly. Hello,
6: Hello operator. Give me Doc Gamble's office at 1560. Oh, is that you, Mert?
1: <laughs>
6: How's every little thing, Mert? It is, eh? Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. No, nothing serious. I just wanted Doc Gamble to send over a bottle of liniment for my backache. Yeah, it aches all over. I got more pains than a hot house window. <laughs> at that dad-ratted kitchen floor, Mert. I spent all morning trying to get the squeak boards nailed down and just found out the squeak's in my shoe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah,
6: it's been one of those days. Cut myself shaven, stuck the toothbrush in my eye, went out to get the morning paper, stumbled over toops's dog, fell off the porch and knocked down the dead red mailbox. Yeah. Worst thing, though, was that kitchen floor. That was a real backbreaker. I figured the boards had worked loose last spring when all that flood water come through here. Remember that, Mert? Yeah, yeah. That's when I found out I had musical talent. That's right. Remember when the water got up so high, Molly floated out the door on the sofa? (laughs) Well, I accompanied her on the piano. And that 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 that, 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 that was a, that was a joke, Mert. Don't you get it?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll
6: never forget that. I and a guy by the name of Fred Nittany from Starved Rock, Illinois, had a subaudible act together. Yeah, he used to knock him dead with that joke. Yeah, like Fred would say, "You see this clock? It'll run eight days without winding." Then I'd say, "How long will it run if you wind it?"
1: <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh, we had a million of them. Hold the phone, Mert. I think that's someone at the door. Hi, Mr. McGee. Hi, hi, Alice. Merry Christmas. Come on in. You know, I don't want
7: to take up much of your time, Mr. McGee, but I have a problem. Oh, what's that? Well, my nephew got a chemistry set for Christmas, and he doesn't know anything about it. Do you think you could help him set it up?
6: I sure could. You know, back in my day, used to, they used to call me Fearless Fibber on account of because I wasn't as scared to mix up any kind of combination of fabric chemicals.
7: Yeah. Jeepers, really, Mr. McGee?
6: Yeah. You see that box over there by the hall closet? That's my old chemistry set. I went clean through high school with that set. Did you really, Mr. McGee?
2: Yeah,
6: I remember the day it happened. Went clean through the high school roof and onto a laundry two blocks away. <laughs>
7: When you drop out of school, you do it with style, don't you?
6: Yeah. I wish I could remember the formula I was working on that day. Seems to me I was on the track of a new kind of high-powered gasoline. I was going to call it ethyl.
1: <laughs> in,
6: in honor of my old chemistry teacher, <laughs> Ethel Fiditch. But
7: they've been making ethyl gasoline for years and years, Mr. McGee.
6: What? They have? Yes. By George, if I had the dough, I'd take them guys all the way through juvenile court. Juvenile court? Why, sure. I was just a kid when I invented it. Oh.
7: Well, I think chemistry is wonderful, Mr. McGee. You know, I have an uncle, and he just patented a new kind of glue that simply won't stick to anything.
6: What good is glue that won't stick?
7: Well, he says it'll teach people not to break things in the first place. <laughs>
6: Well, it's simple things like that that makes fortunes for some people. I stumbled onto a freezing compound one day that kept a bottle of water cold for two days.
7: Gosh! What did you call it, Mr. McGee?
6: Ice. Oh!
7: (laughs) Reapers! I've been using that for years, and I didn't even know who invented it. Well, I gotta go, Mr. McGee, and I'll send little Tommy over so you can help him with the chemistry set.
6: Oh, okie dokie, kiddo. Okay. Well, see you later. (laughs) Hello, Mert. What were we talking about when... Oh, I know. I was just going to tell you about a book I saw that tells all about mind reading. I figured with a little practice, I could start a whole new career reading people's minds. Yeah. Like the farmer said when he bought the plow. This will open up a whole new field for me. (laughs) Oh, I can see myself now. Mysterious McGee. The mental marble. Master of millions of... Hang on, Mert. There's somebody at the door. Come in. Well, if it isn't for Z. Good day, Frank. Good day, McGee.
0: I just dropped in to wish you a happy holiday season.
6: Well, season or not, you're just the guy I've been wanting to talk
0: to. Yes? Yeah.
6: Weren't you in the Navy at one time?
0: No, I wasn't, McGee. Why? Uh,
6: I've been hearing the rumor that the Navy is going on strike. Oh, that's ridiculous.
0: Who do they think they are? Air traffic controllers? (laughs) Why should they go on strike?
6: Well... What I hear is that they're asking for porthole to porthole pay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you get it, porthole to porthole? That's, that's a play on words, Frank. You see, when you say porthole, it sounds like portal, and when you say portal, it's
0: up not funny, McGee. <laughs>
6: <laughs> that's odd. I thought that up while I was shaving this morning, and I laughed so hard I almost fell in the bathtub.
0: <laughs> My suggestion would be to grow a beard, McGee. Especially at this time of the year, you could play Santa Claus. Frank, did I ever tell you about the
6: time I played Santa Claus at the Elks convention Christmas party and vaudeville show?
0: You never did. Oh, boy.
6: Well, they had a musician there, then. And when I stepped up on the stage uh, to help him, I tripped over my beard and fell into the bass drum. Oh, my. What happened? Well, sir, the orchestra was sleeping through that magician's act, and when I hit the drum, they thought it was a downbeat and started the overture again. <laughs> the stage hands heard it and opened the Christmas curtain, and when the electrician saw the curtains open, he turned on the house lights, and that was the cue for the acrobats. The ten tumbling Turks came barreling across the stage. Rabbits and pigeons and ducks flew all over the place, and the magician sat down right in the middle of the stage and cried like a baby. <laughs> And to quiet the audience, I grabbed the baton and led the orchestra in eight bars of It's Magic. (laughs) Followed by Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Then I segued into a musical Wait, 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 wait a minute, McGee. What do you know about music? What do I know about music, he said. Yes, he said that. I merely studied it for six years at the Peoria Conservatory. That's all. (laughs) I I studied under Professor Ware. (laughs) Studied under Professor Ware for a long, long time. <clears throat> long Underwear McGee, I was. Not <laughs> <having that. laughs>
1: oh, my.
6: Long Underwear McGee, the mighty mucky muck of the metronome, making music of Medicore musical mutts, muddling through a mass of monotonous medleys, making a millions marvel at the minor melodies made into magnificent musical masterpieces by the miraculous movements of my magic net. <laughs>
0: Claus. <laughs> yes, Francis. <laughs> Merry Christmas and a happy ho ho ho. ho. Oh, thank you. <clears throat>
1: hey,
6: hello, Mert. You still there? <laughs> yeah. That was Frank McGee. Frank Berzee, I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he's a nice kid, but he
6: tells the darndest stories. I thought it was Alice's nephew coming to. Oh, coming over. Boy, if that's little Tommy, he's a lot bigger than I thought. <laughs> Hold the phone, Mert, while I go to the door. Oh, you must be the new postman.
4: Well, who do you think I am in this
0: outfit?
1: Family Claus making a late delivery?
6: <laughs> well, you could have you fooled me, Si. What are you doing coming around here on a holiday?
0: Hey, listen, Daddy, when a letter says special delivery on it, I deliver it special holiday or no. But I don't have to listen to okay, you. Okay, okay,
6: okay. Don't get yourself in a lather. Boy. You could just put it in the mailbox and forgot the... Y-
0: you mean that box lying on its side on your lawn? Yeah, that's it. You see, I knocked it over this morning while And I'm... you think that I would kneel down and put your mail in there while that monster of a dog from next door is around? Do you think that? You mean old Killer? Yes! Yesterday I was eating my sandwich down on the corner and he came up and took a bite out of my leg. <laughs> so you met Killer, eh? Met him. We had lunch together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just look at the hole he put in my trousers. <laughs> it sure looks like he put the bite on you. <laughs>
1: Don't you
6: get it? You know, the old thing. You're very
0: funny. All right, all right. Just
6: give me my You're mail and I'll so be... Not so
0: fast, not so fast. Hey, let's see. Oh, here's a Christmas card for you. It says Merry Christmas to McGee. And Oh, how nice. There's a poem. I'm always happy when you call. Come winter, spring, or summer. Your leaks and drips paid off my house. Signed, John, the Oak Street plumber. <laughs> isn't that sentimental? Uh,
6: that burglar. He charged me 30 bucks an hour to take a nap under my kitchen
0: sink. <laughs> and on top of that, he snores. Oh, and here's your regular monthly overdraft notice from the bank. And a card from your sister with a picture of your nephew on it. It looks just like you.
6: Yeah, everyone says.
0: Yes, ugly little monster, isn't it? <laughs>
6: What do you mean? You've got a lot of nerve talking.
0: Uh, ugly, the first... I, 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 I'm not finished yet. Don't interfere with the U.S. mail. Here's a bill for your telephone. $18. Talky, talky, talky. <laughs> oh, and here's a special delivery letter from American Forces Radio and Television Service.
6: Say, how come you didn't open this letter from American Forces Radio
0: and Television? Oh, we government people never spy on each other. Oh. Well, thanks for the mail, Dreamboat. So long, Fatty. I'll see you around, and I mean around. Uh, Yes, sir.
6: (laughs) (sighs) Hello? You still there, Mert? (laughs) Yeah, that was the new postman. Nerve of that guy opening all my mail before I got it. Hey, wait a minute. I got a special delivery letter. Let me see what it says. Oh, my gosh. Listen to this, Mert. I've been invited to participate in a big Christmas broadcast. Why, I haven't done a radio broadcast for our folks. What do you know? I used to come down to the radio station wearing my old army uniform. Yeah, just to get into the spirit of the thing. What's that? Why don't I wear it for this broadcast? Say, that's a great idea. So long, Mert. Now, let me see. Where'd I put my old army uniform? Out in the garage? Up in the attic? Oh, wait a minute. I know where it is. It's right here in the hall closet. Yes, Straighten out that closet one of these days. <laughs> Hello. Oh my gosh, it's Teeny and the King's Men. Merry Christmas, kids. Yeah. Okay, lay it on me.
0: Clatter. I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. All the way through the window I flew like a flash, tore
1: open the shutters, threw open a day. Then what to my wondering I could appear by the miniature sleigh, and a tiny reindeer. With a little old driver, so lively and
0: quick that I knew right away
1: that it must be St. Nick.
0: All bundled in fur from his head to his
1: foot Old Santa was covered with ashes and soot I drew in my head and was turning around When down the chimney he came
3: with a bow His eyes, how they twinkled (laughs) His dimples, how merry His cheeks were like roses his nose, like a cherry. <laughs> his droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow. <laughs> the beard on his
1: chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a little old pipe he held tight in his teeth and spoke way around and around. Jumpy and plump, all right, jolly old, jolly old elf. Had a laugh, and a laugh, and a laugh, when I saw him in spite of myself. He had a broad face, oh, 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 and a little round belly, oh, 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 that shook when he laughed, like a of jelly. He, he gave me a wink of his eye, and the twist of his head, a chuckle and a smile I knew all the while I had
0: nothing to dread He spoke not a word But went straight to his work And filled all the stockings Oh boy. Then turned with a jerk then <laughs> laying a laying finger, finger aside of his
1: nose <laughs> And giving a nod up the chimney he roars. He sprang to his leg, to his team, gave a whistle And away they all flew, like the sound of a whistle But I heard him exclaim The presence of scattered Dance in the wee little heads. Am I in her kerchief? Am I in my car
0: gentlemen and Jim, I'd like to join everybody in the entertainment world in congratulating you on your 85th birthday last month and your 65th year in show business. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you go on for another 65 years.
6: Oh, Thanks. You're awful nice to old people, but I can't do that. Ain't that many new
0: jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Fibber, did you ever go to a formal party with people lined up behind that big glass bowl? Yes. Well, did you ever notice that the bowl held the same old stuff, but the punchline kept changing?
8: (laughs) I,
1: I, I see
0: what you mean. Good night. Frank you again, reminding you that this special two-hour Christmas program will continue following station identification and five minutes of the latest news from many American Forces Network stations around the world. Of Christmas begins its second hour. In the next 60 minutes, we'll hear live Howard Duff, Sam Edwards, Jim Jordan, John Jensen, Marvin Miller, Tyler McVeigh, Frank Nelson, Kay St. Germain, Les Tremaine, Lorraine Tuttle, Rudy Valley, Viola Vaughn, Janet Waldo, Bobby Brzee, and Jack Brown, plus a special salute to Bing Crosby. And now, once again, your host for the full two hours, Mr. Frank Brzee. Because some of you may have tuned in late for our 14th annual Christmas Day greeting from America, we once again say Merry Christmas to all of you from each of the stars named by Bill Baldwin, from the American Forces Network, and from myself. The quality of peace and the happiness of the season is the spirit with which we celebrate this day. We are jubilant as well as grateful and invite you to share our joy, happiness, and laughter, and maybe a song or two. To help us in the song department, here again is Rudy Valley. When you've grown up, my dear, and are as old as I, you'll often ponder. The child was the land your child Rudy. That song is certainly within keeping of the Christmas spirit. You know, Frank, that's one of my favorite Yuletide songs, too. Well, Bill, during our first hour, we heard a few of the typical radio shows from the golden era. Yeah. A variety show, a band show, a couple of great comedy programs. What are some of the other shows that were popular then that we could recreate for this special Christmas program? Well, no, why not a mystery program? Hey, that's not a bad idea. I remember some great mystery shows, but of all of them, I think my favorite was The Whistler. Well, you're in luck, Frank, (laughs) because that's just what we're going to do, just the way we rehearsed it. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the most famous mystery program of the 40s, The Whistler, starring Marvin Miller in his original role as The Whistler. Tonight's show stars Bobby Brzee as Ilsa, Frank Brzee as Rick, Tyler McVeigh as Victor Laszlo, Les Tremaine as Captain Renault, Rudy Valley as Sam the piano player, and Jack Brown as the German Major, as we present our own version of Woody Allen's version of the Humphrey Bogart classic of the same name.
4: Many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. During the Second World War, many eyes in imprisoned Europe turned hopefully or desperately toward the freedom of America. The journey was a tortuous roundabout trail, Paris to Marseille, then by train across the rim of Africa, only to end up waiting at the small cafe called Rick's American Bar in Calabasas. (laughs) Our story begins in the office of Captain Louis Renault, the French officer appointed as the prefect of police. He has been uneasy all day. Two German lieutenants had been found murdered. Captain Renault was a smart man and an even smarter politician. So he stormed into the barracks, woke up his men and shouted, Round up the usual suspect! <laughs> At that moment, the German major sent to Calabasas, Personally by the high command, Approached Renault. He was cruel, mean, rotten, vile, nasty, vicious, spiteful, vulgar, and repugnant. And those were his good (laughs) qualities. He grabbed Renault and screamed. Yes. Renault was totally bewildered. You see, he didn't understand German. What the Major had said was, I have heard about a cafe run by an American named Rick. I understand he's one of the most influential men in Calabasas. Take me to him immediately. (laughs) The Major was very clever. He wasn't really interested in Rick. (laughs) No, he was really after Victor Laszlo. Yes. Laszlo. You see, Laszlo was a brave Czech patriot who escaped from a prison camp with his wife Ilsa, who once knew Rick in Paris. But Laszlo didn't know Rick in Paris, and Ilsa didn't know Rick was in Calabasas any more than Rick knew Ilsa was in Calabasas. So actually no one knew, which is still the same old story, a fight for love and glory, a case of you and I. The world will always welcome lovers as time goes by! (laughs) Rick was a tough cookie, a soldier of fortune. You might even say Rick was a fortune cookie. (laughs) But that's not very funny, so I think I'll give that joke to Charlie Chan. Rick was the kind of a man who was headstrong, determined, and lived by only one rule. Wherever he went, whatever he did, it was always the same. His only purpose in life was summed up in these five words. Here's looking at you, kid. (laughs) Yes, that was his motto. And he was willing to die for it until she walked in. It had been a long, long time since they met. But of all the gin joints and waterfront bars in all the tank towns and rotten holes in all the world, she walked into Rick's, which proved one thing. The Broad still had no class. <laughs> but they loved each other. She looked at him and murmured, Rick. And he cupped her lovely face in his hands and whispered... Elsa! They looked at each other for a moment. And then... they kissed. (laughs) Rick sat at his table staring at his empty glass of bourbon. He was sad, unhappy, miserable, rejected, and forlorn just the way I like the characters on this show. (laughs) He looked at the empty chair beside him. He thought to himself, if it's December 1941 in Calabasas, what time is it in New York? And then he leaped to his feet and called out,
0: Sam, come here. Okay, Sam. You know what I want to hear. If she can stand it, so can I.
4: Sam looked puzzled, scared, frightened, and hesitant. But Rick wouldn't back down. He turned quickly and grumbled.
0: Sing it again, Sam.
4: My time is your time. (laughs) Shut up, you idiot. That's not the song. I know, but it's close. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down and keep quiet. Now, uh, where was I? Oh, yes. Well, that's the way life is, isn't it? Rick is in love with Ilsa. Ilsa loves Rick, but Ilsa is married to Victor Laszlo. And Victor Laszlo loves Ilsa. <laughs> Three utterly unhappy, pathetic people. Oh, how I love this show. Ah, <laughs> uh, what's this? Victor Laszlo approaches Rick with a proposition.
0: I must have two passports. You can ask any price you choose. I'm asking you to put your feelings aside for something more
4: important. Something more important? What could be more important to Rick than Ilsa? And then suddenly Rick realized the moment in history that had brought them together. Rick looked at Victor Laszlo, the Patriot, and he thought about the horror of World War II. He thought about the innocent women and children being slaughtered every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. And the spirit of Americanism gripped him, as he said. That's your problem, pal. (laughs) Well, it seemed that Rick had changed. He was still the loner, the opportunist, the self-centered anti-hero. Or was he? For no sooner had Rick left than Captain Renault and the German major rushed up to Laszlo.
0: You will never leave Calabasas life,
4: Laszlo. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that now faced Dick de Laszlo was death. But wait. Captain Renault pulled two green booklets from his pocket, handed them to Laszlo, and said, Here, take these quickly. They're the passports. It was arranged by Rick. (laughs) So in the end, Rick got the two passports for Victor Laszlo, and as their car sped to the airport in the pitch-dark night through the thick fog, Rick couldn't even look at Ilsa. He was driving. (laughs) But once they arrived at the landing field, Victor went to check on the luggage and Rick and Ilsa were left standing together for one last moment. It was then that Rick delivered his famous airport speech.
0: Ilsa, I'm no good at being noble, but it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people... Don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. Someday you'll understand that.
4: Just then, Captain Renault ran over to Rick and breathlessly announced, You'll a hurry! The German Major has just been shot. His head was completely blown off. Hmm. (laughs) Completely blown off? How? When? Where? By whom? I never get to take part in any of the fun stuff. (laughs) Laszlo walked over to Rick and Ilsa looked straight into Rick's eyes and said,
0: Rick, tis a far, far better thing you're doing than you have ever done before.
4: (laughs) Ilsa, on the verge of tears, cried,
7: Do you really think so, Victor?
4: And Victor bravely announced and answered, Yes, my darling.
0: When Rip gave me these two passports, he knew it was best for all of us.
4: Victor took the two passports from his pocket and looked at them. He opened one of the little green booklets and read, Calabasas to New York. Ilsa Laszlo. Lovingly, he handed the passport to Ilsa. And then he opened the second green booklet and read, Calabasas to New York, Victor. RICK Blaine. Here's
0: looking looking at you, you, kid!
4: (laughs) And so ends our story of Rick and Ilsa and Victor and Captain Renault and the mean German Major. It's not my usual ending because two live to tell the story. Well, three out of five isn't bad. (laughs) And besides, it was during the war years. Oh, well, next week's story will be much better. No one survives. For you see, next week's Tale of the Whistler will take place in 1953. It's about the Cold War during the Russian spy time. The Russian what? Spy time, spy time, spy time is your time.
0: I spy. Ladies and gentlemen, here now is a fellow radio performer, a fellow pioneer performer, who most recently retired after 35 years with AFRTS as Director of Programming, Mr. Jack Brown. Merry Christmas, everybody. Tonight, from the Maskers Club for men and women of the armed forces and their families overseas, the golden days of Christmas arranged by Frank Brzee, Bill Baldwin, and John Jackson. Throughout the year, Frank Brzee's Golden Days of Radio program can be heard daily by some 200 million people in the more than 20 countries and aboard the more than 200 ships served by the American Forces Radio and Television Service now in its 40th year. A well-known broadcast historian and collector, Frank was part of radio's Golden Years himself thanks to a youthful start on programs like Major Hoople and Red Rider, and continuing through top series like Lux Radio Theater. Each Christmas Day, as his gift to our military personnel around the world, Frank expands his program to two full hours of guest stars and excerpts from America's favorite radio shows. But this year, on its 14th anniversary, the program is bigger and better than ever and for the first time all live. To those of you here at the Maskers Club Theater, our sincere thanks for helping Hollywood's oldest and most respected theatrical club to maintain the Maskers and its wonderful record of community support. To all of you around the world supporting us all by your presence at your strategic outposts, our very best wishes for your happy holidays and a peaceful rewarding new year. Thank you, Jack Brown. It's now my pleasure to present a gentleman who for many years was the epitome on radio of the leading man. He starred as the thin man, the falcon, and is best known for his starring portrayals as the leading man on the first-nighter show. Today, the children of the world know him as mentor on TV's Shazam. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Les Tremaine. This is um, sort of a surprise for me. Sure it is. Uh, (laughs) I didn't know we were going to have this gentleman with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're very fortunate in having with us one of the truly great stars of those early days of radio. This star appeared on more radio programs than Fibber McGee, Jack Benny, and Fred Allen combined. In fact, he made weekly appearances on all three of those programs for the entire time they were on the air. This great star was so adept at performing that he could easily make the transition from drama to comedy to variety and back again. And if it weren't for this one person, Inner Sanctum wouldn't have existed. Superman wouldn't have leapt in a single bound. And Jack Benny's vault would have remained forever shut. Ladies and gentlemen, our star, the one and only Sound Effects Man. gentleman and his colleagues did an outstanding service in those early days of radio, this unsung hero gave us the realism that made our minds believe we were really a part of it all. For instance, we could hear a door open, a crackling fire, a door slam, a man running, a man running up a flight of stairs, a man running downstairs, a doorbell, a telephone, a pistol shot, a glass of water being poured two ice cubes, please. Galloping horses, a fist fight, and a falling body. (laughs) My, 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 that body sure sounds real the way it fell. Well, it should. It was mine. I'm Bush. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, there's an old saying in radio that there are no old sound effects, men. Perhaps now you can see why. But we did manage to find one who did survive. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Cliff Thorsness. Thank you, Les Maine. Les will be back a little later in the program, recreating one of his greatest roles as Mr. First-Nighter. Bill, I was just thinking. What's that, Brian? Well, you know how television programs today are spinoffs of other programs. Oh, you mean like Laverne and Shirley being a spinoff of Happy Days? Yeah, Mm -hmm. and Maude being a spinoff of Archie Bunker. Well, I just happen to think the next sketch we're going to do is a spinoff of a popular radio show of the 1940s. Oh, you mean the Bickersons. That's right. The Bickersons was a spinoff from the Edgar Bergen-Charlie McCarthy show. Oh, indeed it was. A show I know very well. Well, you should. You were the announcer for Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy for many, many years. That's right. And you were the announcer for the Mario Lanza show and the Jack Benny show. You're right. And more recently, you've gotten into movies, and you're the fight announcer for all three of the Rocky movies with Sylvester Stallone. That's right. Well, I've got just one question, Bill. What's that? When are you gonna get a show of your own? Oh. As soon as I can find someone to be my announcer. <laughs> well, you know, the Edgar Bergen Charlie McCarthy show was a spin-off of another show. Yes. Bergen and McCarthy used to do sketches on Rudy Valley's Fleischman Hour. Oh now, Frank, if you start to tell me that Rudy was a spin-off from another show. oh, Bill, there was nothing before Rudy Valley. He is truly an original. <laughs> Once again, it's time for the Fighting Bickersons, created by Phil Rapp. We'll join John and Blanche. They're at it again. Married eight ghastly years. They're living and convincing proof that a couple that complains together remains together. And here now is radio's premier couple, that superb actress, Miss Viola Vaughn, and that dynamic performer, Mr. Frank Nelson. In real life, they are Mr. and Mrs. Frank Nelson. But right now, we meet them as the Bickersons.
2: I just don't understand how two people can dirty so many dishes. Seems like the minute I get rid of one stack, there's another. I tell you, John Bickerson, I'm not going to stand for this much longer. Every one of my friends has a maid at least one day out of the week, and I don't... John. John
1: Bickerson.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How
2: can you fall asleep at the breakfast table?
5: It
0: ain't easy with all that talking going on. (laughs) Wake me in five minutes, Blanche.
2: No, you don't. You just get busy and help out. I'm tired, Blanche. That's just an excuse. Did you ever see that sweet young couple next door? Now there's a husband for you. He waits on her hand and foot.
0: He is an idiot.
2: He never lets her do anything alone. On Monday, he washed the dishes with her. On Tuesday, he cleaned the silver with her. On Wednesday, he ironed the clothes with her. What do you suppose he did on Thursday? He
0: mopped up the floor with her. He did
2: not.
0: Well, he should have. Now listen, Blanche, I'm not interested in that stupid couple next door.
2: Can't even get you to do the simplest chores.
0: I do plenty.
2: I begged you to have the electric orange squeezer fixed. Did you take it to the electrician? No. I didn't have to. I'm fixing it myself. How could you fix it? It needed a new motor. I hooked it up to the
0: vacuum cleaner.
2: Vacuum cleaner?
0: Does it work? Oh, it works fine. Except it sucks up the juice and spits the pits in your face.
2: <laughs> hey, what time is it? Oh, you've got plenty of time. I'll have breakfast ready in a minute. No,
0: I don't want any more. This oatmeal's plenty.
2: What oatmeal? Where'd you get oatmeal?
0: It was on the top of the stove. I ate the whole pot.
2: That wasn't oatmeal, that was wallpaper paste. No, no! You promised to paper the bathroom this morning. Wallpaper paste? Now how are you going to put up the wallpaper? I'll just lick
5: it
0: into place! how <laughs> can you worry about wallpaper when I'm practically poisoned? No,
2: you're not poisoned. It's just flour and water. I'll whip up a nice omelet. No,
0: I'm not hungry anymore. Oh,
2: don't be like that, John. I've already got the powdered eggs and vegetables on. Just taste it, that's all I ask.
0: Not on your life. First time I ever saw green eggs.
2: That's from the skunk cabbage. I got the recipe from my mother.
0: It looks like your mother.
2: What did you say? you nothing,
0: nothing. Look, Blanche, I'm just getting tired of these outlandish dishes you keep making. Like what? Well, like that rhubarb pie you made yesterday.
2: What was the matter with it?
0: Matter with it? Who ever heard of a pie two feet long?
2: Well, I couldn't get any shorter rhubarb. No. Just because I have a little imagination in cooking is no reason you should pick on me. No,
0: I'm not picking, Blanche.
2: Why don't you come right out and say it? You hate my cooking. I don't hate
0: it. I just don't understand it.
2: You hate it? I tell you, I don't hate it. You do, you do, you do. don't, I eat everything you make. Then why do you always get tommy poisoning? poisonings?
0: (laughs) Eve. Blanche, do you mind if I get dressed and go to work?
2: Oh, I don't care what you do. Get dressed.
0: Well, I will as soon as you finish wiping the dishes with my shirt.
2: Well, you shouldn't have hung it on the towel rack.
0: Well, where else could I hang it? You made me sleep in the kitchen, didn't you?
2: I didn't know my sister Clara was coming to spend Christmas with us. And I can't help it if we have only one bedroom.
0: What a place to sleep on a cot in the kitchen.
2: What's wrong with it? There
0: isn't enough room to swing the cat. You leave the cat alone. I never touch the cat.
2: There's plenty of room in here. There
0: is not.
2: There is, too. If you put the breakfast table on top of the refrigerator and the canary cage in the washing machine, then you could shove the stove in the doorway, then you'd have plenty of room for the cot between the sink and the cat's sandbox.
0: I tried that. The cot's too short and my head plopped over into the sink and that leaky faucet dripped into my left ear all night.
2: Well, it ran out your right ear, didn't it?
0: Oh, funny.
2: Oh, you won't have to sleep in the kitchen. Clara's gone. Fine. Uh-huh.
0: Now, where are my shoes?
2: You're wearing them. <laughs> You're a fine one to talk about other people stuffing themselves, a man who can't even see his own shoes anymore. You want this omelet or not? No,
0: and stop using my pants for a pot holder.
2: Well, that's what you use them for.
0: All right. You just leave my pot out of this. I may have a little flab around my waistline, but I don't eat one-tenth as much as your fat sister. You stop calling her
2: fat. Clara is a glandular case. The doctor says she's an epthomore with an overactive thyroid.
0: I don't care. She's a Cadillac with a hydromatic drive. (laughs) She eats like she was condemned.
5: You say one more word against my sister I'll never talk to you again
0: Oh, I wish you wouldn't tempt me that way
5: Oh, you'll pay for that, John Bickerson Yeah, I know
0: it, I know it You've
2: been tearing down my family Since the first day we were
5: married Oh, now,
0: that's not true Don't I inquire about the state Of your rich uncle's health every day?
2: You sure do Every day, you say Is the old goat dead yet? Well, is he? No, and when he does pass on, you can be sure he won't leave you a penny Well,
0: I wouldn't touch it if he did I may be broke, but I don't want his crooked money You know, I always wondered how he could travel around Europe on a bank janitor's salary
2: He isn't a bank janitor at all He's one of the shrewdest manipulators in Canada How do you think he got his title? What title? You know as well as I do that my uncle was knighted for his operations in the stock market. It was the black market! And he wasn't knighted, he was indicted! <laughs> knighted. Well, whatever it was, he's got money and that's all it that counts. Oh, that reminds me. I need some money for a new dress.
0: Well, I can't give you any money this week.
2: That's what you said last week. Well, I
0: kept my word, didn't I? (laughs) Anyway, you don't need a new dress.
2: Yes, I do. I've been wearing this old rag for two years, and I'm afraid to go out on the street.
0: Oh, stay home.
2: Wherever I go, the women whisper behind my back. There goes Bickerson's
0: wife. Look how she's dressed. Well, for heaven's sakes, look how I'm dressed, and I'm Bickerson. (laughs) Now, what's that supposed to mean? It means I'm barely making enough to keep body and soul together, and we don't have any extra money for fancy clothes. No,
2: but there's always plenty for your precious bourbon.
0: Oh, now, don't start that again. I never spent a penny on the stuff.
2: Not much. The whole house is full of empty bottles. Where'd they come from if you didn't buy them?
4: I never bought an empty bottle in my life, and you know it.
2: But well, why don't you get rid of them?
4: Oh, I've got to get out of here.
0: Blanche, it's getting late.
2: Answer me, John. Why are you so attached to a lot of dead bourbon bottles?
0: Because I was with them when they passed away.
1: Goodbye, <laughs> Blanche. Wait
2: a minute. How can you go off to work every morning of your life? Goodbye, Blanche. Is that the way a married man acts? Blanche, I'm not acting. I'll say you're not. There isn't another man in the world as thoughtless as you. Oh, take a lesson from your friend Mel Shaw. No single morning goes by that he doesn't shower Louise with affection. He wouldn't dream of leaving the house without kissing Louise goodbye. Why don't you do that?
1: Okay,
2: call her
0: up and tell her I'll be right over. (laughs) Well, Bill, we've had quite a Christmas program this year. Comedies, dramas, variety. That was all part of network radio. Yeah, but I think we're forgetting one thing, Frank. What's that, Bill? Well, you know, first, it's the AFRTS will soon be celebrating its 40th anniversary. Oh, yes, and proud they are. But another thing we're forgetting is the detective shows. Uh, of course. Shows like, uh, like Richard Diamond, Boston Blackie, The Fat Man, The Saint, and Sam Spade. Oh, Sam Spade. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> Mine, too. You don't think that uh, we could, uh, with all this Christmas magic in the air, we couldn't possibly recreate a Sam Spade show, do you? And why not? Huh? We have Howard Duff, the original Sam Spade, and Lorene Tuttle, his Effie, here in person. Huh? Tell you what, just flick the dial... And you can hear an announcer who has a voice remarkably like mine saying, (laughs) (laughs) The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the non-alcoholic tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic, the choice of men who put good grooming first.
2: Detective Agency
0: Same one, sweetheart. <laughs> oh
2: Sam, How did it go?
0: It was the end, Effie. just the end.
2: Oh Sam, not another one of those society things.: Well,
0: it depends on what you mean by society.
2: Oh, well you know, Sam. Cafe Society. Cocktails for two, hands across the table. Make another old fashioned, please.
0: (laughs) Well, let's not lose our little head, Effie. Nothing but double martinis, very dry, with two olives, sweetheart.
2: Two olives? Oh, Sam, isn't that overdoing it? It was
0: all overdone, sweetheart. That's what uh, cracked the case. Now stay right where you are, and I'll be right down to dictate my report on the Christmas Eve caper, the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keep all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Sam Spade and Lorraine Tuttle as Effie, Wildwood brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in The Adventures of Sam Spade.
2: Oh, Sam! You look sober as an owl. Uh,
0: wise as an owl, sober as a
8: judge.
2: Oh, well, the way you talked on the phone, I thought you drowned the shamrock, kissed the black Betty sliced the mainsail, decorated the mahogany, made a Dutch bargain, or in a word, gone to give a Chinaman a music lesson.
0: Jeffy, I wish you'd spend more time with Harper's Bazaar and less time with a thesaurus of slang.
2: Oh, oh. You didn't know
0: I could say that, did you? I didn't either. Are you sober?
2: Well, I've been riding a tutu, drinking Adam's Ale, and if you don't believe it, just ask me to walk the chalk.
0: Okay, on your toesies, arms akimbo, eyes glazed. Yes,
2: Sam.
0: Uh, the tip of the forefinger to the tip of the nose. Oh,
2: Sam, it makes me dizzy. Mm,
0: good. Now, try this one. Yes,
2: Press?
0: Sitting posture, limbs cruciform. What? Cheesecake style.
2: Oh,
3: Sam. That's it.
0: That's <laughs> it. Now no, boy, that's great. <laughs> oh, really? Now, place the notebook just a little higher. Good. Now, apply the tip of the pencil to the top of the fool's cap. And proceed with this. With this? December 25, 1981, to Mrs. Helen Bartosh, 1115 West Park Lane, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject Dear Helen. Now, who could that be?
2: Maybe it's a telephone company checking the line.
0: Uh, yeah. Samuel Spade speaking is your dollar. Sam. This is the First-Nighter. I'm down here at the Little Theater off Times Square, and I've got a problem. Can you and Effie come down right away? Mr. First-Nighter, do you like martinis? What? Uh, Never mind. Hold on to your hat. Effie and I will be right there. Well, here we are, Effie.
2: Sam, what are they doing?
0: Well, it looks like they're rehearsing the opening of the First Nighter program, sweetheart. Uh, uh, listen. Theater time. Broadway's buzzing with holiday excitement and eagerly waiting to welcome an opening night performance at the Little Theater off Times Square. There'll be a crowd of onlookers and autograph fans on hand at the entrance to greet the celebrities <coughs> who always attend the premiere of The Great White Way. So let's not miss a minute of the excitement. Will you join me? There are lots of uniforms in the crowd tonight at Broadway and 42nd Street. Shall we cross the street here? Well, here we are at the Little Theater off Times Square. Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please. Good evening, Mr.
3: First Nighter. The usher will show you to your box... Uh, Mr. First-Nighter! Mr. First-Nighter!
2: Isn't this the spot where the First-Nighter is supposed to read his line?
0: Yes, Sam. Where is he? I'm right here, Sam. Hello, Effie. I'm so glad you got here. Uh, Read this. This note I got. Note? Yes, yes. They're going to kill me. They're after me. Save me. Help me, Sam. Please be calm, Mr. Uh, First-Nighter. Just a moment now. Let me read this. Nothing you can do can save you. You will be killed tonight at midnight, just before your show begins. Uh, Midnight? And it's 19 minutes to 12 now. Don't let them kill me. I'm too young to die. Just how old
2: are you, Mr. First-Nighter?
0: 86. 86 going on 87. I hope. Well, I hope so, too. Now, uh, this should be very easy to solve. It uh, reminds me, as a matter of fact, of a case we had a year ago the last sponsor.
1: <laughs>
0: or uh, was it the uh, sponsor before that? Oh,
1: please, uh, Sam. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I remember it
0: was a late autumn night. Uh, the options were just beginning to fall. I had a client just like you. Fourteen minutes to twelve. And this fellow got a note that he was going to be killed at nine o'clock. My note says twelve o'clock. Well, this is Pacific Coast time for the repeat broadcast. <laughs> when this man called me about the note, we took every precaution. We bolted the doors, barricaded the windows. We had police on every foot of ground around the apartment. Police dogs, electric eyes, burglar alarms. Every precaution known to criminology was taken to see that this man would not be killed by 9 o'clock. What happened, Sam? He was what killed. What happened to the man? He was killed. Oh, okay. But I'm uh, sorry I stepped on you. Oh, line. that's all right. <laughs> 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 you kind of long at yeah. the joke, not But not until what kind o'clock. Of, what happened to the man? Uh, he was killed. I oh, my oh, God. <laughs> How many times? That's why your show Is not on anymore
1: <laughs>
0: But not until 10 None o'clock We all had gone home We were all oh. dead tired He was dead And we were tired Oh <laughs> That's
1: what it says right here I don't know which
0: way to turn <laughs> Sam, I called every detective I could think of Why aren't they here? <laughs> ah, there's someone now 12 minutes left y- y- Yes, yes, come in <laughs> uh, Mr. First Nighter I'm Casey, crime photographer <laughs> Hold it Thank you. Luck for it in the morning express. Oh, please, Mr. Casey, will you do something? They're going to kill me at midnight. Midnight? Can't wait till midnight. We go to press at once. Now, play dead. Lay down on the floor. I'll take one more. But I don't want to lie down on the floor. I'm going to be killed at midnight.
4: Ah, there's somebody else at the door. Who is it? Good evening. I am Charlie Chan. Chinese detective. Sage has said, No jobs too big, no jobs too small. That is the problem. No
1: jobs.
0: (laughs) How do you do, Mr. Chan? I'm Sam Spade, license number 137596. Uh, And this is uh, Effie, my right hand. Uh, Effie, this is Charlie Chan, the man who helps the police solve all those difficult crimes by brilliant deductions.
2: Oh, yes. But isn't it strange, Sam, that he's never been able to lose his
0: accent? Oh, please. (laughs) Please. Please, it's eight minutes to midnight. My life is at stake. This note I got... Note? What note? The note threatening my life. Mr. Spade has it. Here, Chan, have a look. What do you make of it?
4: Nothing can help you. You die at midnight. Ah, so... Who sent it? Who sent it? It, Who sent it? (laughs) I don't know. Don't know who sent it? No. No date? No signature? Come, come, Mr. Furtrider.
0: Well, exactly what I told him, Chan. If people must get threatening letters, the least they can do is supply us with some clue or other.
2: You're so right, Sam. They're always making it as difficult as possible.
0: Oh, seven minutes to go? Well, this is becoming quite a gathering of the crime clan, isn't it? All we need now is Ellery Queen. I'm Ellery Queen, the tall, handsome master detective. (laughs) Well, tall anyway. Where's the body? Oh, Mr. Queen, I'm glad you came.
1: <laughs>
0: but there's no body here. Nobody here? What are all these people doing here? Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Queen, my name is Sam Spade, license number... Oh, the hell with it. Uh, uh, this is my gal Effie. I'm sure you know Charlie Chan and Casey, crime photographers. We've all been called in on the case. Get going, you guys. I work alone. (laughs) But, Mr. Queen, in six minutes, I'm going to be killed. Six minutes? Okay. I'll be back, but have a check ready. I'll give you anything. Anything. Only save me. Save me. Here, read this note. Read it. Look. No notes. I want cash. (laughs) Oh, gee. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm going to be killed at 12 o'clock. Well, let's get it over with. I've got my own broadcast to do. Hold it. Thank you, Mr. Queen. Look for the morning express. Reminds me of a case we had sponsored before, last, Remember, Athena?
2: Sam, it's getting late. You had better solve this case.
0: Yes, it's three minutes to 12 and I'm sleepy. I mean, do something for me. Do something and save me. Yes, who is it? Come in.
1: <laughs>
4: and I know many things, for I walk by night. Yeah, well, you're just in time. Just in time for murder,
0: I hope. Don't rush me. I've still got two minutes. I swear I've seen him somewhere before. What's the, the, what's the whistler doing here? He must know where the writer's on this show. He's no detective. He doesn't even know enough to walk in the daytime.
4: Oh, <laughs> it's Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye. The James Bond of the super suit.
0: Ah, Mister Whistler, tomboy of the airlines, flatterer. How's uh, how's business with your weird stories, Mister Whistler? Oh, Gory B. With Glove. Oh, please, please, can't any of you do anything? Save me! Save me! Oh, they got me! Oh, hold it! Don't fall! Thank you. Look for it in the Morning Express. <laughs> uh, you can fall now.
4: Oh, uh. oh blood.
0: Goody.
1: <laughs> well,
0: they don't need me here anymore. Just a minute, Sam. How do we know he's dead? Well, let's get a doctor. Let's make sure the corpus is that. Somebody looking for a doctor? I'm Dr. IQ. Oh, come in. Come <laughs> in. Come in, Dr. IQ. Uh, What are you doing here? I'm looking for a lady in the balcony. (laughs) Well, you've uh, come to the right place. But uh, we need a real doctor. Twenty-five silver dollars
3: says I'm a real doctor. (laughs) If you can repeat after me this thought twister exactly as I say it. Remember, one time and one time only, it goes like this. Jim is slim, said Tim to Kim. Jim is slim, Tim. To him, said Kim. Jim is Tim. said Clem to Sim to... Oh the hell that? oh i 'm sorry, but here 's a box of twenty four bars of delicious milky way candy bars and two tickets to next week 's production here at the little theater off Times square. Merry Christmas
0: uh, Effie, uh, we better check this. Uh uh, Fell on the floor. I think he's dead.
2: Oh, but Sam, there's a chance he may not be dead.
0: Effie, no pulse, no heartbeat, no blood. He's dead.
2: Well, I was reading in Amy Vanderbilt's book of etiquette that some people are quieter than others at social gatherings.
0: <laughs> I uh, don't think this applies in this case, Effie. Oh, wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm not dead. I'm okay. But, to Mr. First Nighter, you were shot four times in the chest. Ah, but I have my new suit on with the reversible bulletproof vest.
2: Oh, look, Sam, it is reversible. Puce on one side, magenta on the other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, that's more of a burgundy in keeping with the holiday spirit. You see the ermine around the sleeves and the waist? It, well, you know, I never thought I'd see the day the First Nighter would be wearing a Santa Claus suit.
2: Yes, especially one with a vest. Who made it? Hart, Schaffner, and Marks?
0: No. Snafu, tarfu, and Kilroy.
2: (laughs) Snafu, tarfu, and Kilroy?
1: Uh,
0: Snafu, sweetheart, is uh, situation normal. Uh, Well, uh, I'll tell you. uh, Let's forget it, sweetheart. Uh, Let's get out of (laughs) here.
2: Well, Sam, you've solved the case. Now, all you have to do is wait for your check. The first-nighter said he would send. Oh, Sam, you're so wonderful and trusting.
0: Effie, I am not wonderful and trusting. I am a hard-boiled private eye.
2: I know. It's just a pity there's no money in it.
0: You're right. I think I'll go back to Flamingo Road.
2: <laughs> Sam, have you ever thought of ceramics? Oh, what? Ceramics. It takes virtually no capital. All you need is a small furnace and some clay.
0: Hmm. And if you
2: don't have any talent, you can just make ashtrays.
0: Thanks, I already have one. And
2: you know, flower pots are fun. You can pot them on a wheel.
0: And you can pot your hat on and wheel out of here and also take your furnace and clay.
2: Oh, Sam. I love you when you're so gay and carefree.
0: I am not gay and carefree. I am you a... You are a
2: hard-boiled
1: private eye.
0: Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. Well, Bill, just a few minutes left. Frank, it's just time to say thank you, and I always look forward to this annual Christmas get-together. You know, it's nice to be reminded of the Christmas season, especially by so many famous shows and songs. But there's one star that will be missed, especially at Christmas time. His songs have meant home and family to all of us, no matter where we are throughout the world. Ah, And no Christmas would be complete without a song from Bing Crosby. So now, would you join me now, everybody, in this best-known of all Christmas songs? Silent
1: night, holy night, sh-
0: Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas to you all, and good night. This is Frank Brzee again. I want to thank all the wonderful people who made this program possible. And they join me in wishing you all a Merry Christmas from the AFRTS. It's been a pleasure to share this Christmas 1981 with you. May the new year bring you all the happiness and success you deserve. And may each one of us be granted the wisdom to help share a world of peace, love, and progress. Merry Christmas, everyone. 14th Annual Two-Hour Golden Days of Christmas originated live in Hollywood. Our stars included Howard Duff, Sam Edwards, Kay St. Germain, Jim Jordan as Fever McGee, Marvin Miller, Tyler McVeigh, Frank Nelson, Les Tremaine, Lorene Tuttle, Viola Vaughn, Janet Waldo, Rudy Valley, Bobby Brzee, and Jack Brown. Sound effects by Cliff Corseness, music by Bob Walters. The Fever McGee sketch was written by Phil Leslie, callus archer by robert E. lee and additional material by john jensen engineering was by marty halperin and ken greenwald our director was tyler mcveigh the golden days of christmas was produced by bruce wendell special thanks to the american federation of television and radio artists the american federation of musicians the pacific pioneer broadcasters and to the masters club in hollywood lou loria harlequin all commercial references on this copyrighted program were for entertainment and are not endorsed by the Department of Defense. This is Bill Baldwin speaking for the American Forces Radio and Television Service.